Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. Hello, I'm Adrian Durham, and this is a special edition to the TalkSport Daily Podcast. We've all been left incredibly saddened and shocked by Queen Elizabeth II's passing. Throughout the day here at TalkSports, we've paid tribute. She always seemed to enjoy meeting people. It was never a chore. She did have a real twinkle in her eye. She loved joking and, and not everything had to be sort of po-faced. And that was important for her. But ultimately, she knew her ultimate responsibility was to the people of this country and to make sure that they valued her. And I think that's what we're seeing now. A lot of the staff there were inspired by the Queen to join working for the royal household. A lot of the members of the military, Queen's Guard, uh, who would have been around Buckingham Palace, would have felt the same. You know, our monarchy, she in particular, have inspired a lot of people's love for the country. They have lost someone who, of course, is a figure in all of our minds, but is really, truly someone close to them. Her ability uh, to talk to, to anybody and everybody um, and I, I particularly enjoyed recording those great moments, uh, especially her sense of humour. The biggest, the most admired, the most respected person in the world, on the planet. She's a complete icon, isn't she? I mean, just to take a trivial example, you know, Andy Warhol's famous portraits, who did he do? He did Marilyn Monroe, Chairman Mao, Elizabeth Taylor and the Queen. And she was that globally famous, even to uh, an American pop artist, uh, for example. 70 years of the most wonderful Queen. Um, I'm 72 this year, so she has been the Queen for most of my life, certainly all my service life. And it's been a real pleasure and privilege to serve her. We just treasure the memory of the Queen we have so sadly lost. She was a wonderful lady that was respected by many, many people um, throughout the world. And, and you know, and that, that to me was, was our pinnacle. Our Queen was, was the leader of the country. Um, and she did it magnificently, um, as far as I'm concerned. And, and I just, you, you just had to have a huge amount of respect uh, for somebody like that. The stories of, of her human ability to connect with people and to put into words on big occasions what, you know, all of us struggle and stumble to, to, to articulate. It was, a, it was just a natural interest, I think, in people which has produced this flow of extraordinarily funny and human stories. Touched everybody over the globe, you know, in, in some way or another. And she's just such an incredible woman. And I think that's why it's sort of like even speaking now, I sort of get emotional about it. And I think, you know, I, was, you know, I met the Queen 20 odd years ago, but she had that impact on me, you know? You know, I'm not the most sentimental of people, but it did bring a little tear to my eye because it made me reflect 
on someone that's been a constant in my life. 86% of this country have known no one else at the helm of the country. We've known a variety of different leaders and they come and they go. But this remarkable lady, truly a remarkable leader, truly a remarkable woman. I've never met any, anyone, I think, who's been as respected in so many parts of the world as the Queen, or indeed who's more famous. You know, I've always said she's the biggest star in the world, the Queen. And I think that her death will bring an enormous seismic shock to the world. I think everybody will be rocked by this. She just represented all the very best of what being British means. You know, I think as, as society and the world has moved on to a far more modern type of thing, her values have stood the test of time. Yeah. You know, dignity, humility, mm. stoicism, resilient, calm, beauty, all those things. But she was this great calming port in all the storms. But I honestly don't believe that I will ever witness that type of public service again in, in my lifetime. I'm not sure any of us will. She's the, uh, the absolute... You know, she's everywhere, she's worshipped, she is such a special person. Thank you again for everything you did for Great Britain. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Beginning with TalkSport Breakfast, the show was joined by former bantamweight boxer Spencer Oliver, who told a brilliant story of meeting the Queen during his darkest moment. And I was boxing a guy called Sergei Devikov at the Royal Albert Hall, making a routine defence, fourth defence of my European title, a fight that I was supposed to have won before I went on and boxed for the world title and my world come crashing down. I lost, I collapsed in the 10th round and sustained a blood clot to the right side of my brain. I underwent a three hour operation, had to learn to walk and talk and I was very fortunate that I come through the way that I did. Um, <clears throat> just when my world seemed like it crashed down and you're a, you're a young kid, I just turned 23 years of age. Um, I got a letter from the Queen which was like insane, you know, because I wasn't a big royalist at the time. I was only a young man. I didn't really know too much about the royal family, if I'm totally honest. Got a letter from the Queen inviting me to Buckingham Palace to, um, for a Young Achievers Award for what I had achieved in the ring and how I'd come back and whatever. And what I was doing, um, still staying in the sport, etc. So I went to the royal, um, Buckingham Palace and, yeah, I, I sort of had this mad conversation with the Queen um, so like, well, there was a queue of people that she was there to see. I was taken to the front of the queue, but the conversation was how it went. Was so she said. Firstly, she says, "Spencer, I'm so pleased you could make it today." And I was like, "Wow, she knows my name," <laughs> which was like insane. This is the Queen, and the presence that she had in the aura that she had just about her, you know. And then she started talking to me about the fight and how she's followed followed my recovery since then and how she was so pleased that, you know, I made the recovery I had in boxing. Yes, it was a dangerous sport, but I'm so pleased that you, you know, you've, you've made this full recovery. And I'm just like, you know, when you just, I'm just looking at someone now I've gone into like a daze. It was like one of those mad moments. And from then, from that day, I sort of, um, I became a huge royalist. I was a massive fan of the Queen and, um, yeah, just devastated, really. But it was just like one of those surreal moments that you sort of like, that was back in 1998 and I remember it like it was yesterday, you know. But when I look back on it, it played a massive part of my recovery. It really did because that was like sort of I was at my lowest point and then that became my highest point. And I think to this day, someone asked me the other day, actually, about what was the proudest moment of my career. And I said, it actually wasn't in the ring. It was what I achieved in the ring that took me to going to meet the Queen. And I think that was my proudest moment, I think, because I was very fortunate. Not a lot of people get to meet the Queen, but the conversation I had for her for 
between five and ten minutes about my fight, about the sport, you know, about my recovery, etc. And you know, the in-depth detail she was giving me just it, it, it made a massive impact on my life. Continuing with breakfast, Talksports racing correspondent Lee McKenzie explains the love the Queen had for horse racing throughout her life. She embodied what it was all about. Uh, the uh, because uh, listening to Rupert talking there about how involved she was, she didn't just own some very good horses, top class horses, um, but she actually bred them as well. Mm-hmm. She she got into that at a very early age. She she connected with the horse and the the Royal Stud uh, produced the, these lovely horses that went on sometimes to to be exceptionally good. Like Dunfermline, I suppose, was her most famous horse who who uh, won the nineteen seventy seven Oaks and St Ledger, the two of the five classic races in her silver jubilee year uh, with amazing timing 1977 so we remember Dunfermline uh, Oriole was another uh, he was um, second in the derby in 1953 the derby was the only one of the five classics that she never won uh, sadly mm-hmm. uh, and estimate uh, you heard Rupert there talking about the the 2013 gold cup at Ascot um, there are videos on the internet of her actually watching oh, estimate win charming, <laughs> you've seen they? them have you yeah that's uh, just adorable. and she, she's sitting alongside her racing manager John Warren you can tell all the way through the the final furlong of the race and it's a close finish he's getting tremendously excited She's just sitting there watching the race. And you think, is she ever going to react? And then, as the horse goes over the line, her face lights up with the biggest smile that you've ever seen. And she finally allows herself to get excited. Moving to Jim White, Simon Jordan explained how he had reacted to the news that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II had passed away whilst watching with his two-year-old son. I think like most people, there was an inherent sense of great sadness it was very different from when Princess Diana died because Princess Diana died and it created shock because no one expected it. We, we have a 96-year-old monarch and there was always going to be a moment in time, sooner rather than later, that we were to lose this remarkable person. So my immediate reaction was one of inherent sadness. And I just sat there. With, I have a two-year-old son. And when I see the, saw the screen on the television go blank, I remembered this from 1997 when Princess Diana, the announcement for Princess Diana. So I knew what was coming. And my little boy was running around in his little pen creating mayhem. <laughs> and I just picked him up for a moment. And, and I'm not suggesting that he went immediately silent. But I kind of made him go silent because I wanted him to see something, a person that he will never know, really, and only ever read about in the annuals of history, And it did, you know, I'm not the most sentimental of people, but it did bring a little tear to my eye because it made me reflect on someone that's been a constant in my life. 86% of this country have known no one else at the helm of the country. We've known a variety of different leaders and they come and they go. But this remarkable lady, truly a remarkable leader, truly a remarkable woman, and whilst I'm not steeped in monarchy, I have a great belief in the value of it and a great belief in the traditions of it. And when you get to see the length and breadth of this remarkable woman's life and what she did, how she wasn't in the frame to be on the throne, but the change of circumstances with her uncle and her father and all of the journey, it takes your breath away. Former England international and Arsenal winger Theo Walcott joined TalkSport and discussed how he sang the national anthem on the night of the Queen's passing. Last night watching the TV with everything going on and... um yeah, and then obviously the, the national anthem has been sung, and I just sang it in the kitchen with my wife, and it just brought back a lot of memories, and it just got the chills in my body, and because it was a, a fantastic achievement for myself to play for the country and to sing the national anthem, and as well the fans, it just always felt like I was slightly out of time as well, which was always sort of special thing about it, because you could get the sort of 
background of the of the fans singing it as well, and that's those those memories um, 47 times of that as well. Um, yeah, it was it was a special moment. So yeah, I was very you know like, like I said, I was very pleased to, to be part of that England setup um, and singing the national anthem. It, it's incredible. Going back to Thursday nights, after we heard the tragic news of the Queen's passing, TalkSport's royal correspondent Rupert Bell spoke about her love for all sports. She was at the World Cup final in 1966, you know, so she did go to some landmark occasions. She was at the Stanley Matthews Cup final, you know. So you think Stanley Matthews Cup final, she was at that. World Cup final, she had the chance. And whether how much of a football fan she was, I don't know. But if you think of those landmark occasions that she went to, and I'm sure enjoyed for the occasions that they were, then, uh, you know, she has, she loved all sport. And particularly as you've seen it with other members of the family who, you know, obviously with William, shown a great passion for football, but that love of sport is ingrained in to the royal family and she's at the heart of it. Daphne Cohen, the wife of England World Cup winner George Cohen, joined TalkSport and shared her experience of looking back at photos of her husband George and the Queen from 1966. Like everybody else, of course, we were all shocked. Um, we knew, of course, she's getting older and it was inevitable in the end, but shocked, but reminiscing, actually, on the lovely things that happened and the fact that George had the honour of actually shaking her hand. As everybody remembered those pictures, of course, when the opening ceremony at Wembley for the World Cup in 1966. And uh, we have the photographs here and, of course, later on, much later on, at the investiture. And, uh, you know, we were just looking at the photographs with our grandchildren and thinking of really those incredibly memorable days and how lucky we were that we actually, you know, had those opportunities. And I was just also talking about the fact that we just had a card from Her Majesty for our 60th wedding anniversary, which the children had sent away for, which was... Absolutely great fun. So it's a wonderful photograph of her in blue on our mantelpiece as we speak. So, yeah, it was incredibly sad, but wonderful, wonderful, happy memories as well. TalkSport's cricket correspondent John Norman joined Sam Matterface to give his reaction to the decision of the test between England and South Africa resuming. I think the key there is the word postpone. So you can postpone the football. Fulham and Chelsea will play. You know, they were supposed to play at 12.30 on Saturday. They will play. With this test match, it wouldn't be a postponement. It would be a cancellation. So I think in that is an, is part of the answer. I also think that cricket will feel that today is they, their chance to show their respect. They've cancelled, oh, they've suspended play. The Oval should be filled with 25, 26,000 people watching uh, the very best that England and South Africa can, can put on a cricket field, but but we are not, um, and nor nor is anybody turning up. Um, so I think that it comes down to postponement. And I think if you look at some of the other sports, uh, there are other sporting events taking place this weekend. There is some rugby taking place. The Great North Run is taking place. And, of course, we have heard about the Queen's love of horse racing. There is a suspension, but the the horse racing will be back on Sunday. So I think that is where cricket is coming from. Moving to drive, we heard the first address to the nation from King Charles III. Former England cricketer Steve Harmison gave his initial reaction. I'm filling up because I, 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 I love the royal family. I think they're great. And it's like when you've seen 
the king get out of the car and greet people that were there to mourn the passing of of the queen it it's like this is a human family this is a this is a guy who's lost his mum and that wasn't the king speaking that was a guy who lost his mum yeah in my eyes and i've again you know, the human element of of all walks of life and and we we sit on a and talk about sport and talk about radio and on and how and dissect sport and sometimes we forget that life is you know lived by human beings and that's the leader of our country he is the king and i've just listened to a man talk about his mum for 10 minutes and i thought that was brilliant we were also joined by British politician and former gold Olympic winner Lord Sebastian Coe, who told a great story of how he and the Queen helped secure the 2012 Olympic Games. The assumption is always that the hard grind of delivering the Games over seven years, which you know tests individuality and and you know collective cities in a way that nothing really challenges them. But actually, the real the real hard graph was getting. London across the line in the first place, because if you remember, we were up against Paris, we were up against Madrid, New York, uh, Moscow, uh, and these were huge global cities that had staged the games before. And I guess the very fact that on the occasion when the Evaluation Commission come through London, and that's a sobering moment, they come through each city that's bidding, they challenge you on what is your prospectus, and that's that's roughly 600,000 words of a prospectus. It's the biggest pitch any country takes to market. And, you know, we had the ace uh, in the pack because, of course, Her Majesty agreed, unusually on a Friday night, because my understanding is the royal family rarely stay in London on a Friday. They only actually make an exception for... Uh, Remembrance Weekend, and she not only hosted the IOC and those members, um, but she also, absolutely to our surprise and completely unscripted, went to the balcony and waved their coach goodbye as it left the palace precincts. And I have to say, you know, look, I'm, I'm trying not to be too nationalistic or jingoistic about it, but there was not another city on the planet that could offer that kind of commitment to a city. And you recognised again, I mean, I recognised in the row I sat in last night in, in the stadium in Zurich, the extraordinary empathy globally. But I also looked in the faces uh, 15, 16 years ago now of all those IOC members and, and those uh, officials that were going to make a judgment about London. And you could see the, the just the admiration and the impact that that made that night. So she was an inseparable part of helping us get across the line. Also paying tribute to the Queen was legendary jockey Sir A.P. McCoy, who told a funny story about breaking royal protocol by standing up before the Queen. Because of the, the racing connection and because of her love for it, and you always felt that she, I don't know what it was like for other people, but you always, you know, the first time that I was, lucky enough to meet her, I obviously was very worried about how it was going to go and what I was going to say and obviously probably saying as little as possible in case you say the wrong thing. Um, but she did make you feel very at ease in her company. Um, you know, there was obviously jockeys who would have known her, you know, better than the likes of Willie Carson, Ryan Moore, who wrote Estimate, 
to win the Gold Cup for um, I think one of the most poignant things in racing was after he won the Gold Cup walking back down in front of the Royal Box and he tipping his cap to Her Majesty and Her Majesty waving down at him you know was uh, was a very special thing but yeah just to, to spend time with her you know she she made you feel very at ease in her company and um, just on one or two occasions I was lucky enough to watch a few races with her a few times at Royal Ascot I was asked by then the Queen's representative, which was Johnny Weatherby, would I go in and, and sit and watch a couple of races with Her Majesty and her company? And I remember one of the times I was, I watched two races with her, and obviously being Irish and probably forgetting the the, the protocol that I should be, um, that I should know more about. I got up, I went to get up once, and um, I went to get up once, thinking that she would be bored of me sitting beside her, and she she said, "If you got somewhere better to go," <laughs> and she, as she started smiling at me, and obviously you shouldn't get up. You shouldn't get up off the seat before the Queen does, but um, it was the way she looked at me and smiled at me as if you've got somewhere better to go. Um, but yeah, she was um, she she was she was a, an amazing woman. I said, and I said from a horse racing point of view, we were so lucky to have her because that was her passion, that was her love. She spent, you know, most of her life breeding and racing horses uh, right up until her last days. So um, yeah, we were very spoiled, and um, you know, it, it, I suppose the colours and. That will, will, will continue on. It's been emotional here at TalkSport, and tributes will continue over the next few days. We will all have our own memories of the Queen, and as I said on Thursday night, she gave the promise of a lifelong service to the nation, a promise fulfilled until the very end, and has set the standard others must follow. Thank you, Mum. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.